<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And tonight, I'd like to introduce all of you creeps to the Crypt Keeper's podcast, hosted by Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> so, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Hello, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. This is the Crypt Keepers. I'm one of the hosts, Spooky Bruce. Joining me, as always, is Jesus Christ in the cardigan himself, Horror Ryan. Because <laughs> it's time for a seance. Oh, okay. Yes. Wow. <laughs> right over my head. <laughs> hey, Ryan. Hey, Bruce. Tell the listeners what kind of show this is. This is the Crypt Keepers, <laughs> a podcast where we analyze episodes of Tales from the Crypt in the EC books that inspired them. This week, we'll be looking at episode four of season four, Seance, based on a story from Vault of Horror, number 25. Hey. Hey. I got through that without you having to tell me what it was. I do like hand signals to Bruce <laughs> over his laptop where I'm like, issue four, episode four. Because somehow, invariably, I always screw it up. Nah. Anyway. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's been a while. It's been a it long time since I've seen you. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's been like Two weeks, three weeks. Two, three weeks. Yeah, um, I think we watched Joe Bob together one night. We watched the Don't Panic. Yes, and then uh, I think true. Uh, what was the one that came on after that? Um, I don't know. Oh man, that's it's so bad. I I know who made it, but I don't know the name of the movie now. I don't know. Usually, the second movie is really artsy. And yeah, goes over my head. Um, that is. It's actually being made. Um, Tigers are not afraid. Tigers uh, are not, not afraid. The, um, the director of that um, is now doing the is writing and directing the new season of True Detective. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So Hell good yeah. for her. Yeah, yeah. True Detective is awesome. Yeah. Um. Wow. So I mean, cool. it's been a minute, and just been super busy being an adult, which <laughs> yeah. sucks. Yeah. Like, can we just talk about the fact that? For the first time in our lives, we have the money to enjoy the things that we always wanted, but now we don't have the <laughs> no time, time to enjoy it. them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's bullshit and it's rigged. Yeah. Oh no, no. I. Uh, it was age getting me, uh, preventing me from doing like what I want to do because I've been painting miniatures, right? And my back is hurting because I've been like hunched over painting them, so I've had to take a break. Oh so yeah, my yeah. back recover. Right. <laughs> um, my latest obsession is uh, Zelda. Yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Um, I've been bringing you memes from it. Yeah, yeah, we send each other memes because uh, it's hilarious. I'm absolutely loving the game. Frustrated because I've died 50 times. I have not played it. Yeah, I've not played a Zelda game since the Ocarina of Time. My favorite game of all. time. But I am enjoying the memes I see of people building things. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> fun. It's kind of it's kind of low key become this like cultural phenomenon. Yeah, of people sharing the crazy stuff that they do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love. You sent me the uh, GIF of uh, someone built a helicopter. And yes. It was the like Vietnam. Was it? Platoon? It, was, it was playing Fortunate Son. Uh, it was a platoon, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. It was playing Fortunate Son by right. Uh, CCR. Right. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> it was awesome. I was rocking it. I saw one today. I don't know if I sent this one to you or not. It was uh, someone built a uh, like 
a wheeled armor vehicle and they're playing the halo theme as I they know. Like roll through the countryside Ooh, yeah. send me that yeah <laughs> that's super awesome um yeah i've just been trying to enjoy that when i can um but did you watch the fangoria awards i did not um nat and i watched it the day after um it's streaming on shutter mm-hmm. uh and so we kind of made a we guessed we did like um oh yeah our hopes of yeah. you know who would get what yeah. for the most part we got it right did you know what which what movie won? Because um, they don't do best picture, but they do best wide release film and small release film. Uh, that's fair, which is fine. Yeah, um, the small release was won by Terrifier two. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, uh, I think both me and Nat picked that one. Mm-hmm. The lo- the wide release was won by Black Phone. Huh? Exactly. I've heard two responses. Every time I've told a friend this, yeah. it goes, hell yeah, that movie is awesome. Or, huh. That movie is all right. I enjoyed it, but I didn't I think it was, it was great. I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. But it, up against it was X and Pearl. And and I was like, no. There's no, no way. No. Um, but my girl Mia Goth did win uh, Best Lead Performance okay, for cool. Pearl. Yeah. Super down with that. And then Nat's uh, boo, uh, Art the Clown, oh. won um, Best Special Effects. Oh, nice. And... Uh, short release film at the, and then like um the main actress the he- the heroine yeah, yeah. from Terrifier 2 she won an award as well so it was basically like uh Pearl uh Terrifier 2 and Black Phone okay were the three movies that like took all the awards that's so weird uh Prey did win a few awards too okay which well, I love I would think that was a lot that would be a lot better than uh Black Phone I think I liked Prey more than Black Phone yeah yeah I think it's the best predator movie ever made really yeah wow yeah wow I just don't have that emotional attachment that a lot of people do to the original predator like I remember seeing it but much later like in the late 90s early 2000s yeah and I, I always thought it was great I think I saw it later too. I don't think I saw the original release. I think I like I saw Predator two before I ever saw Predator. Oh really? Yeah. With uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Yeah. Mother. Fucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, I may have a- even seen Alien versus Predator before I saw Predator. I remember seeing AVP. I saw in it in the, the theater. theater. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. Mm-hmm. God, yeah. We're old. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. But hey, we look good. So that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. Um, yeah, super interesting about the awards. I'm definitely glad our, the movies that we enjoyed won a bunch. Um, which I actually wondered, there was a bunch of awards that were like, they announced the winner, but there was no one there to claim it. Like, they were like, we're accepting this on, on behalf. Huh, that's weird. And I'm like, do they do the winners get the award? Like, do they ship I, it I'm to them? I'm assuming they do, yeah. Uh, a number of um, award winners sent videos in. Yeah. And so basically you could tell they were all like on Zoom. Yeah. And, you know, they had their award and stuff. That was really cool. So it's definitely fun. If you have Shutter, I think it's like an oh, hour. Oh, it's on Shutter? Okay. It's like an hour, uh, I think, or a little bit more. Um, the Fangoria Awards, I definitely suggest watching that. Um, I have a new, like, in top five Hammer movies. Okay. It's called Frankenstein Creates Woman. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, a few years ago, like during the pandemic, when the pandemic first hit, right? I went through this thing where people were posting like the twenty albums that influenced your taste on music. Yes, and I was making fake ones and posting them. Yes, and I think they were fake, and it was driving one of our friends insane. Yeah, because she was like, "I I've never heard of this before. Where are you finding this?" Yeah, you know, and I'd come up with some 
BS explanation. Right. But one of them I did was called Herbert West Creates Woman, which was based on that title, oh, Frankenstein cool. Creates Woman. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, that's a real, I highly suggest if you like gothic horror, definitely check out Frankenstein Creates Woman. Okay. Created Woman. Um, it's a weird, like, mix of gothic horror mixed with, like, psychological fuckery. It's really good. Um, so it says here that, uh, Stranger Things won best series. I don't think Stranger Things five was best or four. Was oh, I, cho- the I best chose. Um, I me and Nat picked what we do in the shadows. I would have picked what we do in the shadows or uh, Yellow Jackets. Uh, we both love Yellow Jackets, yeah. but we've only seen the first season. Yeah, well, it only had one season by the time this. Oh, it, yeah, it, true. I mean, it's two is going on right now, but um, is it still going on? Yes. How is it? Uh, we haven't watched the past two episodes. Okay. So we always watch them with Chris and Courtney, but they've been, uh, he was gone last week, so we didn't have time to catch up with it yet. Right. But so far it was good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm just going through the awards here and like, uh, some of them are like, what? Okay. What? Best. Uh, they do have some weird categories. Best streaming movie premiere, which that was Prey. Um, Agreed. Uh, let's see. Hellraiser was good too. I did not like Hellraiser. <laughs> uh, best Amity. They have a, a, a whole category for best Amityville film. Yes. Because there's like 35 of them. I, so t- I, I was wondering about that and I put a pin in my brain to uh, ask None of them you are connected. about it. Huh? None of them are connected. So it's what just the house. is it about the Amityville? Like, I don't understand. I don't think I've ever seen anything Amityville. I think. I think it's because it's based on a true, supposedly true story that there's a house there in a town called Amityville that's supposedly haunted. Okay. That anyone can use it for anything. So if somebody wants to make any sort of haunted house story, they'll just put the word Amityville on it? Yes. In fact, there was a movie called Amityville Moon, which was a werewolf movie that was not even set in Amityville. Oh. They can just throw the title on anything. Just to do it. Just to do it, yeah. That's funny. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i didn't even know that five amityville movies that were un, unconnected were released in the same year yes yeah so yeah oh did you hear the news that they're gonna make cocaine shark oh really i thought yes. they already made that no 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 no. i think i think i saw the preview for that yeah 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 <laughs> I, which i've never seen any of the sharknado movies oh i don't think this is even related to that oh i thought it would be no I really I think it's oh. by a whole different studio oh, God. it's it's by the studio i think that made that um uh franken shark movie we watched yeah <laughs> hey that movie was awesome that was a good time that was a good time <laughs> but a- you know what else is a good time what's that seance seance i don't know i don't know if i agree with you the comic's better than the show. The comic's better than the show. It was a C effort. Well, we're going to put an S effort in this motherfucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's Cocaine Bear. There's also com- they're also coming out with uh, Cocaine Cougar. What? Well, that could be fun. And Meth Gator. Wait, you mean like like Cat? Cougar? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not a, not as fun. <laughs> you thought I'm a woman. Yeah. Uh, Twice and, divorced. Cougar. And uh, they're also coming out with Meth Gator, which one of my friends said they made the mistake uh, of not calling that Crocodile. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> anyway. All right. So you want to get into it? Let's do it. All right. Well, let me find my notes here. We spent a lot of time talking about the Chainsaw Awards. That's right. <laughs> um, so this is Seance, episode four of season four. Uh, based on a story from Vault of Horror number 25. Directed by Gary Flutter. Written by Harry Anderson. Starring Kathy Moriarty, Ben Cross, Ellen Crawford, and John Vernon. 
Allison and Benny are con artists out to swindle businessman, Mr. Chalmers. Benny secretly takes photos of the married Mr. Chalmers sleeping with Allison to ensure they get the money. Later, Chalmers becomes wise to the scam, telling the con artist that his wife will never see the photos. He storms off and gets L.A. Laud. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, Allison and Benny meet with his blind widow, attempting to continue the con, but she insists she meets with a psychic to see what Chalmers uh, would have wanted. Allison and Benny concoct a plan to pose as the psychic and a ghost, a plan Benny loses his head over, and Allison just does not have the heart for. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. Yeah, like I said, I think there's not much meat on here. There's really not. And they take a lot of time getting to it. It's it's you, a lot. By the time that Chalmers uh, gets L.A. Laud, he falls down an elevator shaft. Right. We are about a third through the episode. Yeah. Yeah. The actual seance doesn't take that much time. Yeah. Yeah. It's at the end. It's like five minutes at the end, and that's it. It also gets gross. <laughs> yes, it does. It gets gross. <laughs> a couple of times watching this episode, I just went, ugh. <laughs> Was it the uh, the intestines hanging off the bottom of the elevator? No. No? No. Uh, was it? Oh, God. No, no, no. I think I know what you're talking about. This episode, they just let the Foley artists run wild. There are so many background noises, and they were just playing around with whatever noises they could make. Oh, no, that's no. not it either. Oh, that's not it either. No. There are some sloppy kissing noises. Kissing. <laughs> some squishy noises. Kissing cousins. Oh, God, yes. That is, well, it's not gross because they weren't really cousins. But to, at the time, they knew to that the character, he was he, under the impression they yes, were. Yes. That's what makes yes. it gross. Okay, so by Grace's parents in uh, Pennsylvania, um, this area that's kind of economically depressed, right? There right. is an old rundown ice cream stand that doesn't exist. I mean, it's out of business, right? And it's okay. just like a parking lot. Like with, abandoned? Yeah, it's abandoned. Okay. But the sign's still up. A hand-painted sign that has a boy and a girl on it face-to-face, -face, like the silhouettes of a boy and a girl on it this close. Like, uh, about the kiss. About the kiss. And it's called Twin Kiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is it does get gross. I um but what it I, gets morally gross and uh sound effect gross. Yes, yes, for sure. Um but some of these people that are in this episode I've seen before. Oh yeah, you've definitely other. seen some of them before. Yeah. And one in particular. Oh John Vernon. Huh? Okay, so we'll we'll talk about them. So uh so first off we have uh Gary Flutter, the director. Uh, this is his first of two episodes of Tales from the Crypt. He does another one in season five. And then he did uh, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. These were, that was one of those movies that came out in the mid to late 90s to cash in on the success of Pulp Fiction that oh. were all trying to ape uh, Quentin Tarantino's style. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kiss the Girls, uh, which was a, a Morgan Freeman detective movie. Uh, yeah, James Patterson. I think yeah. it had Ashley Judd in it. Yep. Uh, Runaway Jury, and then a ton of uh, one-off TV series. Uh, one-offs for TV series, like one one or two or three episodes. Right. Uh, the Shield, Life on Mars, The River. Did you ever see The River? No. Came out about 10 years ago. It was ABC's attempt to do a found footage horror show. A show? Yeah, a show. Ugh. That was following these people looking for someone missing on the Amazon River. It was bad. It yeah. was really bad. Um, 
one thing I really cannot stand in movies is people doing fake screaming. Like there's supposed to be like a loud noise. Right. And so they do a fake screaming like you would do if you were trying to um, imitate that you're screaming over a fake noise. Like, oh my God. Yeah. It's really loud in here. That's what they, everyone's had like during the scene where there's supposed to be like this strong wind that's oh. attacking them. I was like, this is bad. I can't yeah. stand that. No. Uh, Vegas, uh, the CW Beauty and the Beast uh, TV series that the Beast was just a dude with a, a, a scar on his cheek. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Yeah. It ran for five seasons in the early 10s. No shit. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Yeah. It had uh, the girl who played Lana Lang. On Smallville, <laughs> I hate her. <laughs> Scorpion turn, uh, zoo, and well, I think that's about animals attacking people. <laughs> I don't know. Why there's so many movies about animals attacking people? Because people love to see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Cocaine Bear was awesome. So, uh, Lincoln Rhyme, the Hunt for the Bone Collector. Uh, that was his most recent thing. I really don't know much about this dude. Like I've, I, if I saw one of his movies, I wasn't like, Oh, that director of that movie. Oh, he has a new movie coming out. It's just, all right. He directed the movie. Who cares? Right. Um, but he's worked and he has a successful career in Hollywood. So what am I to good, judge? Good for him. Yeah. And then Harry Anderson is the writer. Um, he made an earlier appearance on tales from the crypt. He was the main character in Corman's calamity. No this way. Is the writer. Yeah. The dude from night court. That's in today's cool. world, yeah, yeah, That's this awesome. was uh, one of one of his few writing credits. Um, I think he did ep- a few episodes of Night Court and a few episodes of Dave's Dave's World, but yeah, Good this is him. one of his few writing credits. Beyond that, That's um, awesome. then we have Kathy Moriarty as Allison, uh, one of the scam artists. Uh, her first role, her very first role, was in Raging Bull. Joe Pesci discovered her at a bar somewhere. It's like, hey, you should you should audition for this movie that Scorsese's doing. Right. And so she did. Very first role, she got nominated for an Academy Award and Golden Globe. Wow. Right out of the gate. Ugh. Yeah. Was that her peak? Um, It may have been because she was in a really bad car accident after that and then was out of Hollywood for five, six years or something uh-huh. like, well, while she recovered. Then she was in things like Kindergarten Cop, Soap Dish, the excellent parody of um, soap operas. Yeah. Uh, the Mambo King's uh, Manatee. Hey. <laughs> the, the John Goodman movie. Matinee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, saw that list and you were like, I got yes. it. Yes. Like, yes. I was so happy to see Natalie that. Natalie was going to be super hyped. Um, forget Paris. Uh, Casper, uh, which, you know, uh, people think Casper's fun in games, but a child had to die for Casper to come, become a ghost. <gasps> I never thought of that. Like, yeah. <laughs> in fact, if you look at him and you look at Richie Rich, yeah. <gasps> apparently Richie Rich could not stand living the lifestyle anymore and now he's Casper. <laughs> you just changed everything I thought about Casper. No, the Simpsons did that. I think oh, they, they made did? that joke before me. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Copland. Uh, and then, like, tons of one offs in TV shows and movies. And I noticed she has this weird trend in the movies she's done. Mm-hmm. She's done a lot of sequels that were not as good as the original, such as Another Midnight Run, Another Stakeout, Analyze That, and Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Revenge. It's actually Scamp's uh, Adventure. I don't know why it said Revenge. <laughs> I was literally loop. looking at the word adventure and just revenge. Revenge. <laughs> I like it. So for some people, revenge is an adventure. Yeah. So. And then we have Ben Cross as Benny. So he got to start in the 70s uh, on, on stage in London. Uh, but then like his first big major starring role was in Chariots of Fire in like 81. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, then he did things like uh, an episode or two of the early, or, yeah, the early 80s Twilight Zone relaunch. Um, the Unholy. Now, okay. So, like I said uh, about um, uh, uh, about uh, Kathy Moriarty, she had a theme. He has a theme to some of his roles, too. Is that right? Yeah. So, he did The Unholy, which was an 80s movie about a slasher, kind of a slasher film about a priest in a parish in New Orleans and a vampire, a sexy vampire has targeted that parish. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I remember having really cool, at least I thought they were really cool, invocative um, trailers and I was like 10 years old and I watched it a couple of years ago and I was like, eh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then Nightlife, which was a made-for-TV movie about a Mexican mummy that is actually a vampire. So I'm sorry, what? Yeah. A, a Mexican, Mexican mummy. mummy that is actually a vampire, and he comes back to life to look for his love, who is also a vampire, but has been off doing other things for hundreds of years while he's been mummified. She's moved on. Yeah, she's moved on. And then the Dark Shadows reboot, where he played Barnabas Collins hmm. in the ni- early 90s. Um, and then uh, <laughs> uh, a couple of, like, two thrillers that had uh, very similar themes to him, like uh, Cold Sweat, which is about an artist who becomes too involved. I think this is it. He becomes too involved in his art and starts killing people, oh. maybe. And then uh, Hellfire, which was about a composer dies, and then someone else picks up his work to try to complete it, and then like a new cycle of murder starts. <gasps> yeah. Uh, uh, the Invader, which was a really gross sci-fi movie about this dude, com- this alien whose race is going extinct, comes down to Earth and impregnates this woman without her knowledge, but he's like, but you're going to be the savior of my race. Yay. He's the good guy. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Exorcist the Beginning, uh, the Rennie Harlan remake of the Dominion. Have you ever heard the story about this? No. Exorcist, Exorcist the Beginning. So the studio had planned on a prequel to The Exorcist about the about Father Marin's first encounter with Pazuzu. Oh, okay. Because The Exorcist is not their first encounter. Right. Yeah, it is Pazuzu getting revenge for whatever happened earlier. Okay. Um, And um, so it was going to be directed by Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader is a Hollywood legend. He wrote uh, Raging Bull, Last Temptation of Christ, Bringing Out the Dead, a lot of Scorsese movies, uh, directed his own films that, um, uh, like American Gigolo and Cat People, whatever. And he did one uh, recently uh, with um, Oscar, Oscar Isaac called The Card Counter. Um, excellent neo-noir film came out like a year or two ago right yeah um he does a lot of like noir films or neo-noir crime films whatever uh so he was going to do his version of it the studio studio saw it and was like this we don't like this Uh oh so they fired him hired rennie harlan which i don't know if rennie harlan's ever made a good film in his life somehow this dude keeps failing upwards (laughs) right um they had Rennie Harlan make make his version of it. Same act, same actor, same sets, whatever. That was called The Exorcist: The Beginning. Okay, right. Uh, that bombed. It was horrible, okay. absolutely horrible. So then they rehired Paul Schrader to, to finish his version of it. That became Dominion. But I think by that time the gas was out of the tank for Paul Schrader. So it, what he turned in wasn't great, mm-hmm. but a lot better than Exorcist: The Beginning. So you had two Exorcist prequels by the same studio with the same actors come out with like a year of each other. Wow. Yeah. Which you said Dominion's better. Dominion's better. Yeah. I don't think I've seen either one. Uh, they, I would not recommend watching the Rennie Harlan version. In fact, I would not recommend watching anything by Rennie Harlan, uh, except Die Hard Two. 
I like Die Hard. Die Hard Two, I think, might be might be his only good uh, movie. He's just he's terrible, fucking terrible. I don't know how. Oh yeah, he also did like one of my least favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movies, which I know people love this one, but I hate it. Don't say Dream Warriors. No, not Dream Warriors. Okay, that's awesome. The Dream Master. Number four. Yeah, number four. It's fine. Yeah, it's just I mean it's good. I don't think they get just fine until the fifth one. Yeah, and then uh, so he, I think he's actually directed a lot of movies that people like, but I've never like really liked his movies with the exception of Die Hard too. Uh, like he did Deep Blue Sea. I know people love Deep Blue Sea. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> he, <laughs> I know I'm going. I'm 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 way way off field here. He also did Cutthroat Island, I've never which heard is of one of the worst crimes in cinema history. One of the absolute worst crimes in cinema history. So it was a pirate movie starring okay. Matthew Modine. And Gina Davis. Okay. Gina Davis at the time was married to Rennie Harlan. I don't know if they're still married or not. Um, and uh, she's a big name. No, actually, they divorced in '98. Um, but um, uh, they, Rennie Harlan and Gina Davis, used it as their personal playground. They uh, ramped the budget just like with their own indulgences, whatever. Right. Right. Uh, the movie bombed, but somehow Rennie Harlan and Gina, Gina Davis escaped unscathed from it, and all the blame was really placed on Matthew Modine and kind of derailed his career for a while why i don't know that's weird he was not the worst part of it huh <laughs> weird anyway it was one of the big it was one of the biggest flops in, in cinema history i don't know if i've ever heard of it yeah exactly it came out like 93 and it's been forgotten huh. except for being for how bad it was and how expensively indulgent it was and see there's some movies that have that reputation that i think are pretty good yes i'm I gonna say so it i'm gonna say it out loud yeah water world ain't that bad I don't think so either. It's not that bad. No. Like maybe because of the budget and the actors associated with the movie that they wanted like an S tier movie. Yeah. And I think it's like a B. Yeah. It's good. It's pretty, it's, it's an adventure flick. Yeah. It's you know, all right. Apocalyptic yeah. adventure movie. Yeah. Even at the time I was like, I don't know why people hate this. I think it may have been, I think it may be in one of those cases where it flopped the theater. So people assumed it was bad and it got a reputation for being bad because of that. Oh, like I think the 74, 76 King Kong has that reputation undeservedly. Mm, yeah. Have you seen that one? I don't think so. No. Oh, that's great. It is good. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think Jeff Daniels. Anyway. So back to the subject, Ellen Crawford as the widow Chalmers. Oh, uh, Dorothy. Uh, is that her name? Dorothy? Yes. I forgot. Yeah. I, I missed her name. I just saw Mrs. Chalmers in the credits. It's mi- yeah, yeah. It's Mrs. Chalmers. Um, so she's had a long career of like one off roles, but like in, in good stuff. Um, she was in three's company after mash, the spinoff of mash that was set at a veterans hospital. In the I thought 50s. You s- <laughs> what? <laughs> you, s- you said it fast. And yeah. I thought you said three's company after mash. <laughs> Like she's the maid after the three way that has to clean everything up. Let me start this over. Okay. So then we have Ellen Crawford as the widow chambers. Uh, like Chalmers. I said, what did I say? Chambers. Chambers. Okay. Uh, Jesus Christ. I'm just, uh, anyway, she's been in things like three's company after mash, uh, murder. She wrote night court, uh, another night court alum involved in so this wait, one. What's after mash. After mash is a spinoff of mash with Colonel Potter, uh, Klinger and Father O'Malley uh, working at a veterans hospital in the 50s. What? I think it lasted two seasons. I've never seen yeah. it. I love MASH. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just called After MASH. After MASH. Yeah. I'll check it out. It's one word like After Math. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'll I think you can probably find it on Tubi or something. I love MASH. 
Uh, then she was on Werewolf, the Fox Werewolf TV series. That was great. Um, with special effects way ahead of their time. Uh, this series called The Bronx Zoo, which is about teachers. Of course, I think they're all white teachers at an inner city school, like mostly, you know, black students and Latino students. Right. Right. And then like white punks. I remember one of the, I've never seen it, but I remember one of the commercials for it. Uh, there was a, a, a kid, one of the punks that would ride his motorcycle through the halls of the school. That's right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's and amazing. It, it, it had Ed Asner as the main character and he had the coolest name ever. Huh. Principal Danzig. Whoa. <laughs> Students. <laughs> You're late for class. <laughs> Why don't you turn in your homework? Whoa, <laughs> students. Uh, 30-something. <laughs> Moment of truth. Cradle of conspiracy. <laughs> about, about this teenage mother who um, gets pregnant by an older man and then discovers the older man wants to sell the baby. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. The unacknowledged sequel to Blade Runner, Soldier. Uh, and like everyone else, she has a theme to her movies, uh, the whereabouts of Jenny and where are my children? Both of them about are about people who either get arrested and their, their kids are put in the witness protection program or the FBI after they're arrested takes their kids and has them adopted somewhere else. And so the parent has to find them. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Seventh Heaven, uh, the supposedly wholesome WB series that is actually people are now recognizing that it is actually really messed up and immoral. Oh, what? what Seventh is? Heaven. I see. I only saw a little bit of it because I think didn't it come on after WWF back in the day? No, it or, may have come on. No, it couldn't have because WWF took up like their whole like block uh, for the evening. Yeah, I just remember seeing clips of it because it it was following something that I did watch. It may have come on around the time like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It may have it, come it, on before it, or after that. Yeah, right? it may have been that or something um, similar. But it's about a pastor who we've talked about before. He like he has uh, come up on the show before. Or like his wife was one in one of the episodes we covered. He played the father of the family who turns out he's a, a pedophile in yeah. real life. Yeah, yeah, I heard yeah. about that. And people are now rewatching the show and realizing like how much batshit insane shit they do and how horrible parents they were. It was made to be like, oh, they're wholesome. They're, they're being good parents, but no, they're abusive. Was it like a Christian show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Seventh Heaven. Yeah. Um, Man from Earth, which is a uh, great sci-fi drama. Just It could be a, a play because it's really just set in one room about a college professor who is retiring and he's going to move on or get, he got another job, supposedly. Right. But he confides in his friends that he's actually a 10,000-year-old Cro-Magnon. A what? Uh, Cro Magnon. What's that? Uh, it was a kind of form of yeah, Homo sapiens before we became modern Homo sapiens. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's in the, he's a ten thousand year old immortal. Ooh. Yeah, it's really cool. And like him talking about like his life to his friends and trying to convince them. It goes a little sideways at a couple points, <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, it's it's really good. And it has like it has this like sad twinge to it too because he's alone. He's he met one other person like him in like the 10,000 years. Yeah. And they made an agreement to come like to meet in Paris every few, like every few years, whatever. Right. And then one year he goes and the guy doesn't show up. Oh yeah. Damn. Uh, then she was on, uh, we're still on, we're still on, uh, uh, Ellen Crawford here. 
<laughs> Sorry. Then she Long was uh, Nurse Wright on ER for over 100 episodes. And then she was most recently on Days of Our Lives as a mother superior during their uh, possession uh, storyline they had recently. So she has experience. She has experience, yes. <laughs> uh, then we have John Vernon as Mr. Super Nintendo Chalmers. <laughs> uh, he was born, I love this name, Adolphus Raimondus Vernon Agopsowitz. That's a fucking name. That is name. a fucking name. Why did you change it? I know why he changed it, because it's Polish, and Hollywood was bigoted at the time. That's a great name. It is a great name. Uh, usually, he, he had a long career of of playing antagonistic authority figures. And he had a look and voice for it. Oh, uh, yeah. He's got yeah. the look. He's got huge shoulders. Huge shoulders, stern face, this booming voice. Great voice. Great, great um, voice. If you... If you ever hear his voice once, you'll never you'll, forget yeah, it. Yeah, you'll never forget it. And you've heard it a lot throughout your life. Oh, I'm sure. If you've watched TV, you've probably heard or watched movies uh, anytime since, well, before he passed away in 05, you've probably heard his voice in something. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, such as uh, he was born in Canada and started out in TV and uh, plays, usually small roles. Uh, one of his uh, I don't know if it's a big break you call it, but uh, as a voice actor, he played Iron Man, Namor, and Major Glenn Talbot in uh, 1960s Marvel stuff. Oh, that's cool. He played their voices. And then he played the voice of Doctor Strange on the Spider-Man uh, animated series in the 90s. Oh, that's cool. Can you imagine that voice coming out of Iron Man and Doctor Strange? No. <laughs> um, I think one of his big, uh, one of his bigger breaks was he played Doctor Wojcik in the series Wojcik, which he was a medical examiner. Yeah, that solved crimes. I know uh, one role that he was in. Okay, I want to see if I want to see if it's the role. I think I know what you're talking about, but you'll be surprised other ones that you didn't know about. There, as soon as I saw him on the screen, I was like, I know exactly yeah, where he's I from. I think I know what it is too. And when we get to it, uh, his big American break came at in the Lee Marvin John Borman movie called Point Blank. I watched that last summer. Awesome neo noir film. Never seen it. Oh, it's amazing. Um, are you familiar with uh, Parker the? Um, Jason Statham movie. Have you ever heard of that? No. Uh, there's um, it's based on a book series about this uh, amoral thief named Parker, mm-hmm. and they they have been remaking those movies. They or they've been trying to adapt those books since the '60s. Oh wow! Over and over again, they never call him Parker except for in that Jason Statham movie. It's always a different name. Oh. But uh, Lee Marvin was um, uh, the Parker character in Point Blank, and um, John Vernon was one of his buddies on the heist that betrays him. Because that happens every time. He's on oh, the heist oh, yeah. and he gets betrayed. So he has to get revenge. Do you think there's ever a heist where no one double crosses each other? I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I hope, I hope someone so. Make, makes it out uh, happily ever after. Yeah. And everybody just drives away in their Porsches. And um, just, he was, just go home. He was the mayor in uh, Dirty Harry. Uh, he was in The Six Million Dollar Man, the solid gold kidnapping made for TV movie. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, he was in The Uncanny, the, the cat movie. Oh yeah, yeah. The Hollywood 1936, um, uh, 1936 segment, um, which uh, Peter Cushing tries to convince the world that cats are evil and murderous, and he doesn't have to convince anyone. We already know this. Yep. Um, he was in Animal House as Dean Warmer, and in uh, the sequel TV series Delta House that was lasted for a season. No yeah. idea. Uh, Herbie goes bananas. Heavy metal. Airplane two. Curtains. Uh, one of those American carnage. The cities are are wastelands of gangs, savage streets. Uh, he was the voice of the horse in this cartoon series called Wildfire about a magic horse. Can you imagine a horse coming up to you and speaking in that voice? No, <laughs> oh, that'd be terrifying. I'm a magic horse. 
Um, then he was in a bunch of like one-off guest appearances in TV series like McMillan and Wife, Cannon, Mannix, Mission Impossible, Quincy M.E., Chips, Today's FBI. <laughs> yeah. A-Team, T.J. Hooker, The Greatest American Hero, Werewolf, Murder, She Wrote, and Dinosaurs. Wow. Yeah. He was the only person to appear as a human in Dinosaurs. Oh, really? No, I'm making that up. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Damn it. You got me. Um, uh, Ernest Goes to Camp, the War of the Worlds TV series. Uh, he was Mr. Big in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. He was Rupert Thorne in the Batman animated series. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, I think his last role was actually, one of his last roles was actually in a Batman animated movie where he played Rupert Thorne before oh, he cool. passed away in 05. But where is the movie you know him from? Killer, Killer Files, Files from, from Outer, Outer Space. Space. Yes, he was. One of, he was one of the police officers. Yeah, yeah. He was the mean police officer. He's the one who says the title of the movie. Yes, he does. He yeah. Was Killer Clowns from, from Outer Space. Space. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so that's it. I've rambled on long enough about different TV shows and characters. So I'm gonna let you take over and tell us about. Go through the actual breakdown of the episode. Ready for this? Yes. Once again, this is season four, episode four, Seance which premiered July 4th, 1992. The Crypt Keeper opening is a door labeled Crypt Keeper Investigations. Beneath it is the tagline, No Headstone Unturned. <laughs> the Crypt Keeper starts to narrate to the audience uh, in which the audience is supposed to be a dame who is entering his office. Yes. Saying, She had a great chest cavity. That is, <laughs> uh, he is doing this in a it's crypt it's it's crypt keeper doing a Humphrey Bogart impersonation. Yeah, crypt keeper investigation. Yeah, but it, it's funny because it's not John Cassier doing a an impersonation of Humphrey Bogart. No, it's the crypt keeper. So it still sounds like the crypt keeper. Yes, yes, just with really that good. weird accent. Yeah, it's so good. The crypt keeper private investigator says that he'll look into. The husband cheating on another ghoul, but first, he has a story of his own. The episode opens to a mystic uh, practicing her seance for a and looking for a Mr. Chalmers, a spirit in which Ben is in a black cloak, appears. The mystic asks the spirit for advice and, and Ben does not reply. Fed up, the mystic pulls off her wig and says, Jesus Christ in a cargan sweater. <laughs> you have one line. Quote, give the money to my friends, Dorothy. Ben comes out and says, the line isn't the problem. It's the deke. That's the problem. The deke is another word for scheme. Yeah. Um, it is now revealed that the mystic is Allison, and she says, uh, well, I have a nightmare, and it's called dying alone and poor. <laughs> We're at. She has. It's it's the place. She calls it the place. Yeah. She has, oh, she, uh, um. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember exactly what. It, Monkey Island. Monkey Island. Yeah. So apparently, Monkey Island is where you go to die poor and alone. Yeah. When you're a a thief or a scam artist. Yes. Yeah. They argue over the morality of their current con, and Allison goes on to let Ben know that this is the last time. Uh, that they'll work together because he choked in Pittsburgh, saying, people died in Pittsburgh, Benny, and says that after this job, they'll split and they'll both equally get rewarded. I don't think that was ever a possibility. No. No. No, absolutely not. Ben states 
uh, says that what they're planning, they shouldn't get awarded for. Just then, there's a knock on the door, and it's Dorothy, who's here for her seance. Ben says, you've got spiders in your veins. Allison <laughs> says, you're tingling in my web, sweetheart. Now get inside. <laughs> now, we should say that this whole episode is filmed like a noir story. Yes. From the Crypt Keeper's introduction to the lighting, the music. It's even set in like the 1920s. They don't let you forget that because every few minutes there's a 1920s car horn honking. That yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, de- it's definitely, uh, they, they push it over the envelope with how yes. much of the 20s and 30s they're in. Ben reluctantly gets in position and Allison changes her voice back to the mystic and says, I'll be right with you. Just before she puts her wig back on, she asks how she looks. And from the cupboard where Ben is, a voice says, You look beautiful. Dorothy and her valet, Gibson, enter the room. Ben says to himself, How did I get in this mess? In which we have a flashback. Uh, Okay, so... The storytelling is a bit confused here. It's... it's, Because we're supposed to be Benny's memories, but then we see things that happen outside of Benny's like Benny's experience. Right. Yeah. It's very loose. Yeah. So essentially Benny and Allison are con artists. Uh, Allison is um, taking the role of the mystic mm-hmm. while Benny is supposed to play the spirit that Allison yeah. summons uh, in order to get money from this woman, Dorothy mm-hmm. who just arrived. And then when Ben says, how did I get myself in the situation? We, then we, we actually find out who they yeah, are. Yeah, we actually get the story. And it took a, a bit of time to get even to the, the backstory. The, it is a bit slow on the pacing yeah. side, for sure. Yeah. In the flashback, one week earlier, Allison, Allison and Benny are waiting in their office. Allison says, how do I look? You know you miss it. You, you know you miss it with me. And he has the best response. He does. He goes, the only thing I miss from it is the shower after. (laughs) Got her. A knock on the door is a Mr. Chalmers, who is sorry that he's late as the elevator is broken. He he is introduced to Allison, and he is immediately smitten. They make pleasantries, and Chalmers states he's confused as to why he's been summoned here to this, quote, law office. Uh, because it says that Allison is her cousin, but he doesn't know her, and he's wondering why he's been summoned. Ben states that he is the executor of the late of his uh, Chalmers is late uncle's will, and that he didn't die in a train wreck, but he actually got twenty years for uh, a nineteen oh one bank robbery. In which, after 20 years, he supposedly moved to Chicago, had a daughter, who's Allison, and now died. Currently. Yeah. In which Chalmers is like, he's not buying it. Yeah. He's, he's definitely not buying it. <clears throat> yeah, because he says that, you know, my it was my sister's brother, and they said that he died when he was a young child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so Ben playing the lawyer, he's like, oh, no, he didn't die when he was a child. They're just covering that up because he did a bank robbery. Yeah. Um, So essentially, the will has an account on it with $3 million. But the original deposit, based on the records, is $200,000, which is the bank robbery money from Mm -hmm. 1901. But if they let the authorities, uh, if they keep the authorities out of it, 
Ben believes that they could both, Allison and Chalmers, collect and inherit the money. Like we said, the first part, the first act of this thing is it's so confusing at first, but it's useless. Like it doesn't. Yeah. The only thing it says is they're trying to con him out of money. Right. That's all that right. you need to know. Right. I think we could have skipped the introduction with them. Like, how do we get into this mess? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It hadn't really. I mean, I guess they wanted to have the opening scene to be the seance because the episode's called well, seance. Yeah, but. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's with you. a waste of time. I agree with you. So essentially, there's a will for an uncle that Chalmers doesn't believe exists. Yeah. With a woman in the room, Allison, who supposedly. You know, he's his cousin. Old, that's his cousin. Yeah, I'm trying to like think of like when is this supposed to be taking place? I assume the 30s. I'm assuming the 30s too, but it seems like the participants are a bit too old. They did mention a line. There is a line where Allison brings up World War One, and Chalmers yeah. says he served in World War One. Yeah, so that would have been not even 20 years beforehand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he, so he maybe it's like the he, maybe it's the forties. I could see that because if if the dude, well, I'm trying to, I'm 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 assuming their story is true and it's not true. We know it's not true. But I was going to say if Allison's quote unquote father went to prison in 1901, served 20 years, got out, then had a daughter, almost immediately afterwards, she'd be like a teenager in the thirties. Yeah, you're right. So it has to be, <laughs> has the, be 40s. the forties. It hasn't even be that old because she's like in her thirties. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. So it has to be like the 50s or something. I don't know, right. but yeah. Allison, who is playing her part as the, quote, cousin, asks for a moment alone with Mr. Chalmers, and Ben leaves. Chalmers immediately says, I don't believe a word of it. And Allison says, same here, cousin, but it explains a little bit about dad. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's good. Yeah. She goes on to say that her dad lied about being in World War I in, in which Chalmers says that he actually was in World War I. Chalmers flirts and suggests they meet at a hotel for privacy. Now, this is the gross part because... They're supposed to be cousins. He, Chalmers is being told that that's his cousin. Yeah, they're like first cousins. And five minutes into being alone, he's saying, let's go to a hotel. Yeah, yeah. Later, Allison is getting... You know what? Actually, you know what? Hmm. If he knows it's a scam... If he doesn't believe a word of it, he might not believe he, that's his cousin. So it might be like, eh, this is fine. But I, I, I agree, except he has another line, too. Oh. So, oh, he, oh, God, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Twin uh, kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Later, Allison is getting all fancied up in the hotel room. Ben is getting his uh, camera ready, and he says, this is nuts. Blackmail is what got us in trouble in Pittsburgh. Allie just shuts him up and says, zip me up. She demands that he gets in the closet to get ready, and they kiss. Ben disgustingly wipes his mouth. But then he goes in the closet, and then Chalmers immediately knocks on the door. I will say, like three times in this episode, mm-hmm. the two con artists get ready for their scheme, Yeah, and immediately there's a knock on the door. Yeah. Like they're, like you would assume that one, you'd have to wait in that closet for a minute. Yeah. He did not. No. It, as soon as he shut the door in the closet, they're, Chalmers was knocking on the door. They're playing it tight. Good for Very them. tight. It's yeah. always good to keep a good schedule. <laughs> he gets in there in the closet, closes the door, and Chalmers knocks on the door and walks in. When Allison lets him in, he puts his wedding ring in his pocket. Ooh. Ooh. Later, music is playing and Allison and Chalmers are dancing. She says that she actually checked in on Ben uh, to check and see if he was a real lawyer, and apparently he's clean. 
she suggests that they buy Ben out of this investment property in which they would need $300,000. When Chalmers asks about the money, Allison kisses him and tells him to keep the light on as, quote, I want to see all of you. <laughs> Chalmers then says, kissing cousins, aren't we? <laughs> Allison says, I, oh, I wonder how many family gatherings we've missed. <laughs> They start going at it as Ben takes photos from the closet. You know, they can't be that much different in age. As you mean the two characters? There's not yeah, because they are they he looks 20, 30 years older he, than Yeah, him. he's in his fifties, she's in her thirties, but <laughs> they are supposed to be from the same siblings. Right. Yeah. Right. Later in the office. Ben is going through the photos, laughing hysterically. He puts them away just as Allison and Chalmers arrive with the $300,000 to buy Ben out. As Ben uh, reluctantly gets the news, the, the papers to sign the deal, he starts to hum the song that was playing when Allison and Chalmers were doing it. And he gives himself up while yeah. he's doing it. Chalmers goes over and looks at him. I don't understand why they have to buy him out, though. That doesn't really it make doesn't any make sense because it's not his. It's not. He just says he's an executor for a will. Yeah. In which I'm like, so is that like a fee? Right. It, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's three hundred. Like, hey, we pay you three hundred thousand right. dollars. You give us right all the money of the will, but not bring anyone else into it. Right. That's what I'm assuming. Or maybe doing. maybe it's they are they have to give him the money so he can buy out whatever that investment is. Maybe I, that, does, that doesn't make sense though because if it's a three million dollar investment and they need three hundred, that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, it doesn't. No. Uh, uh, Chalmers is about to leave in disgust, but Ben immediately shows him the photo. Very so awkwardly the- pulls them out of the drawer. Very awkwardly slams them on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, the photos were the backup plan. Yeah. If they couldn't, you know, if something messed up, like Ben being a fucking idiot. Yeah. And the thing is, Allison's a bitch to him this entire show, but we he know is why. dumb. We know why. He's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Allison says, uh, uh, I hope you have an understanding wife. Chambers goes through the photos and says, my wife will never see these. He takes the $300,000 and he leaves. Allison throws her hat at Ben and goes after Chalmers. When she has he, a gun, doesn't she? She does. Yeah. Uh, when Chalmers is at the elevator about to about to leave, she points a gun at him at the elevator. Chalmers says, you're capable of a lot of things, but murder? He then goes into the elevator without looking and falls all the way down to the bottom of the elevator shaft. Ben attempts to call for help. Uh, while they all hear Chalmers cries for help, but Allison says no. <laughs> He's like, help me. Don't leave me down here. Right. And he's up in his very, very deep voice. It, but, but he very, also, like, very I deep, mean, r- refined voice. Help me. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, very recognizable yeah. voice. Uh, just as she tells Ben to go get the money, the elevator from the top of the building goes down and squishes Chalmers. The supposedly broken elevator. Supposedly. That's not working. It seems to be working. Oh, it's working. Yeah, it seems like the doors aren't working right. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Human mush is on the bottom of the elevator cart as it goes up. That was a great shot. Very, very uh, pink intestines are hanging off the bottom of the elevator. It's gross. 
And Allison says, well, we had a chance. Later at the police station, Allison is wondering why they're there. And Ben says, listen, we're Mr. and Mrs. Normal. We gave them a statement and we're out of here. I'm on a bus and I'll see you in the next life. Just then, Mrs. Chalmers, the widow uh, in a widow's veil, leaves the detective's office. The detective tells Allison and Ben that they can leave as their statement checks out. Allison eyes the bloodstained uh, suitcase held by a cop. So there's still a 300K yeah. in that suitcase. Yeah. And Allison's like, well, we could try again. Allison tells Ben, hold on to that bus pass and approaches the widow, Dorothy. Dorothy tells them that she's blind, which, by the way, Chalmers' line of, my wife will never see these. Yeah. It's now true. Now we know why, yeah. It's true. Lol. She says that she knows that they that he was supposed to meet with them about an investment opportunity and plans to fulfill her husband's investments. Ben starts to say that won't be necessary, but is immediately cut off, naturally, by Allison. <laughs> Dorothy says that she'll ask Chalmers himself for approval through her spiritual guide, Madame Leona. Madame Leona. Leona. Later, at Madame Leona's, the madam is all tied up. <laughs> Madame Leona says, you're wicked. You wear your wickedness like a cloth. In which I had to rewind that three times because I thought she said cock. <laughs> she has a really thick accent. So for a long time, you she, wear your she's wickedness like, like a cock. You're wicked. You wear your wickedness like a cock. <laughs> That's what I heard. But it's cloth. <laughs> Allison mocks her in her accent and immediately says, nah, I can imitate her. I got this. A very nervous Ben says, and which, by the way, this so this is the time jump. Yes, of them tying up Madame Leona mm -hmm. and Allison taking her place mm -hmm. with Ben in the back to be the ghost. Yeah, essentially, uh, I, I'm describing this because we understand the basic idea of what's going on, mm -hmm. but there's just so much filler. Yeah, and all the scenes and the pacing is slower than yeah. it should be that it gets muddled. So essentially. Allison is taking Madame Leona's place to mm -hmm. convince Dorothy to give the money to them. Yeah, yeah. Which um, their their plan doesn't quite make sense again in a moment. I'll tell you why in a moment. Well, essentially, I think they. I think she just wants the briefcase. And which. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm saying that like th there should there's a uh, there's a hole in their plan. Ooh, what is? Yeah. So no, go ahead, go ahead. I'll tell you in a second. Put a pin in that. Yeah. Let's see. Madame Leona says, what you're doing is disgusting. Allison calls spirit, being a spiritual advisor a big con in itself. And the madam says that she doesn't know about the power she's dealing with. Ooh. So Madame Leona does not feel that she's a con artist. No, no. She generally seems like an actual like spiritual guide. This is something that comes up again. or Something similar to this comes up again in the comic. And yes. we'll discuss it when we get to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's great yeah <laughs> it's great uh ben says to allison has no heart at all but then ali knocks madame leona upside the uh dome <laughs> from behind and says we got this and the screen goes to black later 
now we are actually at the beginning of the episode. Yes. Where we are back. We have come full circle. Yeah. Ben is in position. Allison has the wig on and uh, Dorothy Chalmers is now mm-hmm. entered the room and they're beginning the seance. The quote, Madame Leona chance in which I mean, I guess it makes sense because she's blind. Yeah. Because Allison looks nothing like Madame Leona. Yeah. And, and someone in the room should know that. The, the driver or whoever that the the butler whoever is with her at the very beginning or, or or when she first comes in yeah she introduces him as her new valet oh okay i missed that so even though dorothy has been seeing madame leona for a while no one in the room has ever physically seen madame leona oh so this is how they're getting so the thing is basically if she just would have kept her valet None of this would have happened. Wow. What, what, why would she need, need a new valet? It's never explained. Yeah. There's never there's, an there's explanation. Even, there's no even, there's not a need for the valet to even be in that scene. Other than she's blind and she's rich and he well, helps. She, she she could have a cane. That's a, an added character that was not necessary for the scene. Well, here's the thing. If I'm blind and I'm a multimillionaire. That's true. I'm just saying, I'd probably hire someone to be my eyes. I'm, if I'm blind and I'm a millionaire. I'm having a monkey valet. Wow, Who's sweet. stop me? Why does that sound like a sitcom? <laughs> and my monkey valet. Hey. Bruce is blind. He's got a monkey valet. Hey, hey, hey. hey. See? We're doing it. <laughs> need to have like shots of San Francisco in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so later during the seance, quote, Madame Leona starts her chants. She says that she feels a presence and asks for Mr. Chomber's spirit to make contact. Just then, Ben, in the black hood, it's just a regular-ass black mm-hmm. hood, arrives, and the valet is shook. Dorothy is asking what's going on, and if it is him. And Allison says, of course it's him. <laughs> Quote, Chalmers laughs and says that he wants to give the money to Ben and Allison personally. The spirit opens the suitcase to reveal Ben's decapitated head. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. dun. The spirit lifts his hood to reveal it is Mr. Chalmers with a horrifically deformed face. Not really. I mean, he's looking good for a guy who was just crushed by an elevator a couple days beforehand. He still looks better than me. No, no, no. I mean, basically, it's Mr. Chalmers with a bunch of scars on his face. He... (laughs) He he's more scarred up though than uh, Jigsaw was in the Marvel Studios Punisher series. That is real. <laughs> that is super real. He would be a great Jigsaw. Yeah, he would have been. He would have been great. Yeah. And he and Mr. Chalmers with his horrific face says, "You might call this a bait and switch." Allison is pissing her pant Leonas. <laughs> Madame Leona. Madame Leona, Leona. Hey, wasn't that the name of the guy who was in uh, Dig That Cat? He's real gone. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Joe Pat Leona. <laughs> Just <cute. laughs> uh, you're blind. The blind monkey helper should be called Leona. Uh, Chalmers starts to laugh. He says, and says, Ben was right. And then punches Allison's chest to the disgust of the valet and pulls out Allison's heart. Yeah, still beating heart. And he says, Ben was right. You ain't got no heart. (laughs) So good. He laughs 
as we fade to black. It's very squishy when he does it. It's still pumping. Yeah, it's very it, yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of like sound effects. Like I had mentioned earlier that the Foley artists just were unleashed on this episode. Yes. Like cuz we keep hearing the the honking of the horns during the uh sex scene that we don't actually see the sex. Right. We can hear it. Yes. They are very sloppily kissing and making all sorts of wet noises. Oh yeah, yes. wet sloppy noises. The crib keeper Shows up again and says, it turns out the husband was cheating on the wife. And he shows a skeleton woman uh, stabbing another skeleton woman as the Crypt Keeper laughs. The end. And uh, he says, slay it again, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, it didn't get good until the last act. I yeah. felt like to get to the seance, it took yeah. forever. They could have they they could have shortened this up. Oh yeah, they had to add a lot of padding to this one. Yes, for no reason. Um, if they had if they had stuck to the comic script, it'd been fine. I'm gonna say I don't know if this is the first time this season. I think that it is. This is the first time in the season that the comic is so much better. Oh, so much better. Yeah, I will say that. Um, you just said his name, uh, Chalmers. Yeah, the actor, Super Nintendo Chalmers. Super Nintendo Chalmers. Uh, he's the the gold star of the episode. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. His Absolutely. Voice, yeah. His lines, his like presence. Yeah. He's clearly yeah. the best actor. Oh yeah. Like I kind of feel like he should be like, what the fuck am I doing here? Right. <laughs> I was in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. What <laughs> right. am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's okay at best. Yeah, it's just fine. But yeah. I mean, it. it once we get done with the comic, it makes way more sense. Yeah. 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 It's way better. Uh, so you want, you want to get into the comic? Let's do it. All right. So this is uh, this is the seance from Vault of Horror number 25. It was the cover story. It was. And the lead story, too. Uh, I don't know. Was the cover drawn by or done by Johnny Craig? I don't think so. But the art, the, the story and art were both by Johnny Craig. Yeah. And the colors were by... There we go. Uh, two con artists are swindling a businessman, uh, Mr. Chalmers. I don't think they give the con artist names, do they? They are Ben and George. They are Ben and George. Okay. Uh, how do they get from Ben and George to Ben Allison and, and ben? Allison? Um, I, think I would assume that they wanted Georgina. to add some sexy to it because it's yeah. HBO. Well, I know, but like, why they pick Allison as a name? I don't know. Anyway, two con, arti- two con artists are swindling a businessman, Mr. Chalmers. After months of being robbed, Chalmers overhears the crooks bragging about their scam and threatens to have them arrested. When he drives away from the scene, the crooks chase Chalmers and farce. Uh, farce. The, when he drives away, the crooks chase Chalmers and force him off the road, killing him. Later, his widow considers withdrawing the money uh, money Chalmers invested into the scheme. She insists on meeting with a psychic to get advice from her late husband. The crooks convince the psychic to help them convince the widow to let them keep the money. But they'll soon find out their plan does not stand a ghost of a chance. Dun, dun, dun. I like it. Thank you. Uh, um, once again, this is Seance from Vault of Horror number 25, which was released June 1952. Wow. Mr. Chalmers, a wealthy man, is convinced by Ben and George to give them two, or, sorry, $20,000 for an investment opportunity. As he is writing the check, he goes on to tell the men that he was hesitant at first because his wife's spiritual medium, Gilda, advises against it. They all laugh, saying that she definitely was a hoax, and Chalmers gives them the check, they toast on their future success, and he leaves. 
Ben and George immediately start celebrating, calling him a chump and deciding to take him for all that he has. The vault keeper, who's narrating the story, interjects and says, months go by, and they make quite a dent in Chalmers' bank account. But one day, Chalmers arrives to their office without them knowing. Chalmers walks in on Ben and George talking about how soft Chalmers is and how they're scamming him. Which, by the way, if you're scamming someone, I'm not telling you to scam someone. Right. Don't scam someone. (laughs) If you do, though. Do not brag about it. Don't brag about it anytime about how you're conning someone. Yeah. That's like con 101. I mean, not that I would know. Yeah. But hey, by the way, after this, I do have to talk about investment opportunity. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. (laughs) Chalmers walks in on Ben and George talking about how soft he is and how they're scamming him. Chalmers immediately uh, uh, makes a scene saying that he will have them in jail and says, you'll be hearing from my lawyer and he leaves. Ben and George start so wetting and thinking about uh, how they're going to get themselves out of this pickle. They get in their car and go after him with murderous intent. They actually do reach Chalmers and hit him uh, on the side of his car, causing him to go off the road and down a hill to his death. Days later, they pay, quote, respects to his widow. At first, she she initially wants the money that her husband initially invested, but says that she'll contact her husband through Madame Gilda, about the matter. When the men leave, they scheme to bring Gilda into their plans as they believe her to be a crook as well as she's a spiritual medium. (laughs) When they meet Gilda, they propose to have uh, her uh, as an addition into their plan. It's not that they see her as a crook too. They just see her as a crook. They don't think of themselves as crooks. They're like, oh, yeah, that crook. They yeah. are like kind of angry about it. Yeah, because they say something like, oh, she's just trying to make a dishonest dollar. Yeah, yeah, because people people do not see themselves as criminals. They only see other people as criminals. Yeah, I get that. Right. Like, okay, so uh, there is this book. I'm not sure exactly how, how accurate it is, right? But they talk about how, in this book, how the average American commits three crimes a day. Just because there's so many crimes, there's so many like laws and crimes. Right. Um, there is a um, a, a um, Twitter account that it just goes through the the posts one criminal piece of law every day. Oh, it'll take them 20, 30 years to do it. Wow. Yeah, because there's just so many so many laws that criminalize so much behavior out there, right? Right. Um. So, but like, I'm sure that you have sped before, right? Oh yeah. Right. So you've broken the law, right? <gasps> Do you think of yourself as a criminal? Well, no. No, but you have committed a crime. We oh. everyone everyone's committed a crime at some point in their lives. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. Whether intentional or not. And so we don't think of ourselves as criminals, but we see other people when they commit crimes as being criminal. Interesting. We always have ways of rationalizing what we're doing. Right. Like either it's not that bad or there's a reason for it, whatever. Like, you know, when people have affairs, they're always like, well, you know, uh, my wife isn't giving me attention, whatever. So it's not bad that I'm doing this thing. Right. It's the same thing like, oh, well, other people are speeding, so I can speed. Or I'm not going that much over the speed limit. Right. right? Or or things like, you know, when um, people see people with uh, drug addictions, right? right? And they're like, um, 
they're like, oh, that person's a drug addict, but they'll smoke and drink alcohol, which are drugs. Right. Right. But they don't see themselves as addicts or drug users. Right. Right. And it's, it's, it, there's a lot of sociological thinking that goes into who we label as criminals, who we label as addicts, who we label as unrepentant felons and things like, mm. okay. So another example of this would be um, most assaults in the country. The majority of assaults happen at schools. Teenage boys getting in fistfights. Oh, yeah. But we don't think of those as criminals. Oh, but they are committing criminal acts. True. Generally, generally, we don't see them as criminals. There are certain ones we see as criminals. Yes. And I'll let you draw your own conclusions about who <laughs> we see as criminals, who we don't see as criminals. But um, but we don't, we don't see that as like crime. We don't label them necessarily always as criminals. Right. But that is a crime. Interesting. Right. So, so people don't generally, generally see themselves as criminals. They have, they, they rationalize. Um, it's actually called neutralization. We neutralize our own morals or what we know about the law. And we come up with excuses about why it's okay for us to do it. So, so they're doing the same thing here. There's, they, they probably think, well, we need the money. Oh, or this guy has it coming because he's rich. He's greedy, whatever. Right. So we can take the money from him. It's okay. It's moral when we do it. Yeah, but it's immoral for this woman to uh, scam people as a psychic. Everyone's a hero in their own story. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, makes sense. When they meet Gilda, they propose to have her amongst their plan. $500 now and more once it's over. She easily accepts. <laughs> she just goes so so in the TV episode, the the uh, spiritual advisor is from the jump like a deep quote, good person. A like good she person. honestly yes. believes. She honestly believes what she's doing. Yes. And she's an honest quote person. And you know. I can't figure out, is this person a scam artist or are they just, they, they just get greedy in this moment from what we know, what happens? We you know if we, she agrees we, to this and she's a scam artist. What's that? Yeah. She, I mean, she's she is, scheme. but man, cause, because yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But like she, she just dives right into it. Right. Oh yeah. They, they, uh, they immediately bring $500 cash and she says, yes. Yeah. Have I ever told you like, I know I'm getting on the rant here about, um, Harry Houdini and the medium, the story. Uh-uh. So at the time, mediumship was really popular in the United States and in Western Europe, right. in Canada. Um, it was uh, spiritualism, as it was called uh, then, uh, was becoming like they were calling it the modern religion or the new American religion. Right. And there was millions and millions of people that were that were becoming spiritualists. These are the people that would do the contact the other world. And they were building their own new religion around yeah. it. Uh, one of the big proponents of it was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um it really seems like the death of his son during World War One really drove him toward it. He was already kind of going this way, but the death of his son. I think Pushed his him. son was wounded and then died of the flu at hospital. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, really pushed him toward toward this. So yeah. um, Harry Houdini was very close to his mother. His mother died. Right. Um, and Houdini and Doyle struck up a friendship at some point. Mm-hmm. Doyle claimed that his wife was a medium. Okay. So, and she said she could contact Houdini's mother. Oh. And uh, so she did. She contacted his Hungarian Jewish mother who had never learned to speak English. Okay. Right. When she contacted her, when she con- when she supposedly contacted Houdini's mother, she relayed a message in English talking about how she was happy in heaven with Jesus. Huh. And Houdini was like, nope. Nuh-uh. Right. <laughs> Nuh-uh. No. And so they became bitter rivals after that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
there's a great book about this called the witch of Lime street, mm-hmm. which is about them uh, working for a scientific America to test the claims of a psychic in the 1920s. Oh, that's cool. yeah. And their rivalry at the right. time. Yeah. Damn. That's really cool. I know you're a big, huge. I am a big Houdini fan. Yeah. The mystic accepts and their plan is to have one of the con artists uh, put on a bunch of makeup to play Chalmers ghost to convince the widow to, uh, to give them the money. The next evening, they all get in position, and Mrs. Chalmers arrives, and the, quote, seance begins. The, quote, ghost, question mark, of Chalmers arrives once Gilda summons him. Without speaking, the spirit walks to the table and starts to strangle Ben. (gasps) Mrs. Chalmers begs the spirit to stop as Gilda shouts out loud, This was not part of the plan. Ben is strangled to death and the spirit leaves. Gilda turns on the light and immediately confesses about the scheme, but stating that this was not part of the plan and George must still be in here as all the doors are locked. They pull a nearby curtain to reveal George without makeup and dead by strangulation. (laughs) Mrs. Chalmers and Gilda look perplexed as to who did it. What does she say? She says something wacky. I can't remember exactly what it is. I think it's Gilda says, uh, it's impossible. He's strangled and it's impossible for a man to strangle himself. Right. I like to think that David Carradine read that in the 1950s and thought, (laughs) I I got this. He couldn't possibly strangle himself. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Um, and that is the end that of is the, the story. Uh, that is the end of the story. I like this more because, uh, it's simple. Yes. It gets to the same place quicker, way quicker because you basically like in the, in the, the episode, the setup takes forever. Oh the God, whole cousin yeah. thing, the will. There's a bank robbery. Yeah, like all this stuff that I'm. I'm sure as a listener, you're probably like, "Wow, Ryan's really like just talking about a bunch of shit." But yeah, it's not that, needed. That was yeah, it was not need, needed whatsoever. At, at least in the comic, they were like, "Hey, Mister Chalmers, you want to be a part of this investment? Cool." Yeah. Now we're conning you. Like yeah. that's all you had to do to set up the con. That's that was it. Yeah. It got way too elaborate mm-hmm. at the beginning. I think like the writer was just trying to be cute. Yeah. When it just had to be just a quick like, if I give them thirty thousand dollars now, I'll be a millionaire in six months. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. So, I think it's way more streamlined, and I do like the fact that the mystic is in on it. Yes. I, I love I like it. that too. Yeah. I love that, that. He's basically like, I think Ben or George, they're both the same, but Ben and George show up and they're like, Hey, you know, if you convince, uh, if you convince this woman to give us her hus- dead husband's money, we'll pay you. And she's like, okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just they, like, they dump some money on our table and like, here's the down payment. We'll right. Get more when it's over. Yeah. 500 yeah. now. Yeah. More money later. And yeah. she's like, okay, like sweet. There you go. Hey, <laughs> everyone likes a team player. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would definitely say this is probably like a B. Yeah, uh, I'd give the episode a C. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a C minus. Yeah, it barely made it over the edge. Really? Yeah. 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 I thought it was all right, but um, yeah, that's the story. We're blasting through season four. We are. What is up next? Do you know? I don't. It is Beauty Rest, based on a story from Vault of Horror number thirty-five. Ooh. Yeah, I don't remember who is in Beauty Rest actually. I don't remember much about that one, but we'll see when we get to it. We will. Oh, no. I know who is in it. Hmm. Mimi Rogers. God damn it. That sounds familiar. <laughs> why, do you, why are you doing that? <laughs> Kapui. I don't like thee. 
she uh, i'll get i'll talk about why i don't like her in the next episode we'll find out yeah we're we are gonna find out <laughs> uh we have social media we do have social media where can they find you ryan i like that good job um you can find me on twitter at horror ryan you can find me on twitter at mr spooky bruce you can also check out the podcast on twitter and instagram at cryptkeepers pod and we have an email address ryan what is it cryptkeepers show at, at the, the gmail.com gmail. <laughs> We want to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, share with your friends and leave a rating and review on the podcast app of your choice. We hope you have a wonderful week. And until next time, Jesus Christ in a cardigan sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Complete. (laughs) You do it better than I do. Oh, I got to find where the off button is. Okay. (laughs) Click. Ha 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 ha.